0: Hot mess. We're wrapping it up today. This is the final week in our hot mess series and it's been a good one. I hope you've enjoyed it. I want to welcome those of you tuning in online wherever you're taking part of our experience today. We're glad that you are tuning in. Uh, This weekend is graduation weekend for most high schools, and this represents 20 years since I graduated high school, which is kind of hard for me to believe, and 15 years since I graduated college. Don't judge me because I was on the five-year plan. I finished, all right? I got through it, uh, and I, I graduated from a school in Dallas, and I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it was my first job. I, I got a degree in church leadership and theology and all those good things. Uh, and I was hired at a smaller church plant that was uh, about a couple years old and, and had about 125, 150 people at the church. I was the first full time hire outside of the senior pastor. And they fired the janitor so that they could bring me on full time at $19,000 a year. And I started my first job and so I was wearing lots of different hats and doing lots of different things and so I was uh, the the facilities directors as well as also known as the janitor uh, of the church and uh, we were they they had this coat room in our kind of lobby area in, in Wisconsin you got to have a coat room because you got to wear coats like you know Twelve months out of the year, Uh, you just have to wear them. And so, so we there was this deal, and we had a cafe area too, and they had put in a refrigerator, and they had to run power, uh, electrical power, for an outlet for this refrigerator. And so they ran this wire, and there was one part of the wire that was like showing in our coat room area. And my pastor uh, was a was a big fan of doing things right with excellence, wanted things to look good, and so he was like, "Hey, there's that piece of wire that you can barely see, but I want it painted." You know, we need to paint it to match the color of the wall or whatever. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take care of it. And so I was up there on a Friday on my day off, uh, and I was, literally, it was it was maybe a foot and a half of, of wire that I needed to paint. So I grabbed the paint. We had this paint closet. Like, our church had multiple colors everywhere. Uh, and, and so I grabbed the color that it was. I believe it was a green color, some kind of green. Uh, and so I grab it. And I get the ladder out, and I'm on the ladder, and I'm painting it. And it was kind of like this gazebo type thing, and it had these wood things that went across the coat room. It was kind of cool looking, but I had to, like, grab a hold of the wood and, like, pull up to, like, reach it to paint. And so I do that, and I'm kind of maneuvering on this ladder. And as I do, my foot slipped off the ladder, and I twisted my knee, and there was no saving it. You know, like, I just fell, and the ladder falls on me, and the paint can was on the ladder all right? So this paint can falls, it hits the ground, thankfully it didn't hit me, but paint went everywhere. I mean, I had one little thing I needed to paint, and paint was all over the carpet, all over the cafe floor, all like splattered all over the wall. I stand up, and, and uh, my pastor who happened to be there, like walks over, and he doesn't even offer to help. He just says, you're going to get this cleaned up, right? And I was like, Yeah, I was like, but I like literally didn't even know where to start. The mess was so big and so like overwhelming that literally everything in me just wanted to walk away. Like, close the coat room door. Let's just pretend like this never happened. And throughout this series, we've been talking about those types of messes in our own life where we would just like to just walk away. We don't want to mess with it. We don't want to deal with it. And we've been talking through the series about how we deal with the messes in our own life. And we know that we're a mess. And I know a mess when I see one because I am one. We've been talking about how we're all a mess. And God met us in the middle of our mess with his grace and then grabs us by the hand and says, listen, you didn't follow me into this mess, but you can follow me out of this mess. Will you follow me? And when we say yes to the invitation to follow Jesus, it changes our life. That. Jesus calls us to a new level of commitment and maturity, and, but he journeys with us. And Jess said last week that God loves us just the way we are, but loves us way too much to leave us that way. That he has a bigger plan and purpose for our life and wants to walk with us. And even though we'll continue to mess up and create issues in our life, God's grace will always be there with us, But maybe there's been a time in your life and today we're going to kind of switch gears where it's not just about you anymore because how many of you know that God deals with your mess so that he can use your mess to help somebody else? That God can take the mess of your life and turn it into a message if you'll let Him with the redemption power of His love and grace and mercy. And there comes a point where, where we gotta then say, okay, God, I'm walking with you. And now what's the purpose of my life? What's the purpose of all of my messes? And today we're gonna switch gears because there's been times in our lives where it isn't just our mess. We've seen someone else's mess. We've seen it in our family and a friend or whoever it may be, and, and you've seen it in someone else's life, and you just want to walk away. But there's something in you that says you need to help. There's something deep inside you that even though you don't want to involve yourself with their mess, you know that you need to. There's this dilemma. There's this tension. I know I should help, but how do I help? What do I do? And, and Jesus uh, tells us this story, and it's, it's one of the most famous parables that we've ever heard called the Good Samaritan, and this summer, actually starting next week, we're doing a series for the entire summer, 11 weeks, called Summer Road Trip, a journey through Jesus's best parables, and we're going to be looking at this, and I really wanted to save this one for later, but it just fit too well with what I believe God wanted to say to us today about how we, too, need to embrace the messes in other people's lives so that God can move in their situation. And so Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he says this. He says, one day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus. Remember, the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees, did not like Jesus. They did not think he was the Messiah. He was flipping their kingdom. They expected a king to come, and Jesus came as a servant. They didn't like what he was doing, he was messing with their religious system. So they were always trying to test him, they were always trying to trap him and get him to say something that they could leverage so that they could move him out of the picture. And so religious leader stands up and he wants to test Jesus and he asks him this question. He says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? How many of you want to know the answer to that? That I can go to heaven, that I can live forever. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He's saying, you're a smart guy. How would you interpret the law of Moses? He said this. He said, Moses would say that you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, and all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you are right. You answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the man who, again, was trying to trap Jesus, who was just wanting to justify his actions, asked Jesus. He goes, well, okay, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers with a fictional story, a parable, and we're going to talk about these all summer, but in every parable of Jesus, there's always someone who represents God and someone who always represents you and who you need to be. So Jesus tells this story to illustrate what it looks like to really love our neighbor and to explain who our neighbor is. And he drives home the answer to this man's question with this story. He says this. He says, so Jesus replied, a Jewish man who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came. Along, so in our day a pastor was there oh thank god a pastor's there to help this man but when he saw the man lying there he crossed over to the other side of the road passed him by a temple assistant the associate pastor the pastor didn't have time associate pastor should have time to help this guy he walks over looks at him lying there and passed by on the other side as well and then Again, Jesus, proving his point. A despised Samaritan came along, and the Jews and the Samaritan, this was a Jewish man, a Samaritan comes along, Jews considered the Samaritans to be physical half-breeds because they had intermarried with foreigners and they thought they were guilty of false worship. So they didn't interact, there was extreme tension and and division between these groups of people. And it says, when, when the Samaritan saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put this man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man, if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. Jesus returns his question with a question. He says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits. And Jesus asked, Jesus asked, and he said, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, you are right again. Now go and do the same. That was a great story until that part, wasn't it? I love that story. Man, yeah, what a compassion, what a great Jesus. What a great storyteller. What a point he drove home. And, and, and yeah, that guy who helped him, was definitely the the one who showed love and, and mercy and compassion. And then Jesus tells you and me to go and do the same. Easier said than done. And although there is something in us that says we should go and do the same, it's hard. And oftentimes we don't do it. It's hard to figure out who we should help. It's hard to figure out when we should get involved. It's hard to get the resources in order to do that the way that God wants us to. But today I want to tell you this. We're shifting gears out of your mess. God's in the middle of your mess. He's walking with you. He'll continue to walk with you. We've talked throughout the series about how you can walk out of the mess and what you need to do to really embrace God's plan and purpose for your life. But I'm telling you this that the point isn't just so that you can get out of your mess. That God wants to use you to make a difference in other people's lives. And God has called all of us who would say we are Christ's followers to walk toward the mess, not away from it. To walk towards the messy people of the world. And not just to walk towards them and to help briefly for a moment, but then to walk with them as well. Like this Samaritan man did. And even though we know we should, why don't we? I believe one of the biggest reasons is because of the culture we live in. Our world does not promote these type of values, these types of, of of morals that that we should involve ourselves in other people's messes. It's not your problem. It's not for you to deal with. That's their mess. You didn't make any. You didn't have anything to do with that. Why should you help? Why should that be your responsibility? And we live in a world that's values are opposite from God. I believe there's three things that prevent us from being the good Samaritan, to being the one that Jesus really wants us to be when it comes to helping the messes of the world. The first one is convenience. We live in a culture that's all about convenience, getting things the way you want, the the, the, the fast way, right? How many of you are thankful for Amazon? Come on, somebody. Let's give God praise for Amazon this morning. Convenience. And it's only going to get more convenient. They're developing technology now where Amazon won't be just a two-day delivery. It'll be same-day delivery. There will be drones that will drop packages on your porch a couple hours after you order them. Because we're all about convenience. Getting things quickly, done with excellence, the way we want them. And in our culture of convenience, we've become too busy to really be followers of Jesus. Because being a follower of Jesus requires time. It requires people who are willing to embrace inconvenience even when it's not their problem or responsibility. I think we know we get too busy for the messy people that God's calling us to is when we view them as inconveniences rather than opportunities. You see, a mess is an opportunity for you to show up And to reflect the love and the grace of God into someone's life and situation. I love the way Dr. Martin Luther King looked at this parable of Jesus. He said the first question the priest and the Levite, the pastor and the associate pastor, asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question. He said, if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? And that's the mindset shift that we have to have as Christ followers. You see, our culture says it's not your responsibility. You are not obligated to help. But we got to get out of it where we see people's messes and the situations of this world as, as, as obligations. And we move past obligation to where it's an opportunity. This isn't just an obligation that I have, like, oh, Jesus told me to love the messes of the world, so I'm going to love the messes of the world. No, you go, man, this is an opportunity for me to step into someone's mess, to meet them in the middle of their mess like Jesus met me in the middle of mine. And that I can show up and literally be Jesus in this situation for people. See, we have an opportunity, not an obligation. Look how Jesus challenges us in Matthew 5. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors, the the greatest sinners of their time in the culture that he was talking to, even they do that. If you are only kind to your friends, how are you different from anybody else? Even pagans do that. How many of you know that God has called you to be different than this world? We are supposed to be the ones that are different. That you go, even though this isn't my problem, even though this isn't my responsibility, I have an opportunity to step into someone's mess to show them the love and the grace of God. You see, you get no credit for loving those who love you. You get no credit for only helping those who are kind to you, who you have a responsibility for and obligation to. You see, our love for God that we sang about. And I love that song, Hallelujah for the Cross. We, God, I praise you for what you did for me. I thank you that uh, you met me in my mess. And God, you saved me and you set me free so that I can pursue you. And I have the promise of eternal life. And, and that's the part of, of, the, of the, the, the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We can get that part, right? That's the easy part. Thank you, God, I love you. I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy that you met me in my mess, that you stepped into my situation. My marriage was falling apart, and God, you got involved, and God, I was an addict, and and you brought me freedom, and, and we can praise God for that. But the second part of that command, which Jesus said was equally important, is to go and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you really know if you're a follower of Jesus. When you're willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of someone else. You see, our love for God, according to Jesus, is illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated in your love for other people, the messes of the world. So, convenience is something we have to get rid of. We got to shift our mindset, we got to embrace inconvenience. We also have to be willing to step outside of our comfort zone. Comfort is another reason why we don't get involved in the messes of the world, why we don't extend the love and grace of God to other people, because we love our comfort zone. I love my comfort zone. My comfort zone, my happy place is on the right side of my couch. It's my seat. My kids know better. You don't sit in my seat. They mess with me sometimes. I got the recliner. The couch reclines on that end. I got my table right there, holds my remote, keeps my phone close by. I got everything I need. I get the air conditioner right where I want it, and I'm in my happy place. I'm in my comfort zone. And I'm watching the PGA championship. I'm in my comfort zone. We love our comfort zones. It's safe, it's secure. It's where we like to live, it's where we like to be, but I'm telling you this, I don't know where anybody ever got the idea that following Jesus would allow you to always remain in your comfort zone. You can't find it in scripture. Read the gospels and what Jesus called his disciples to, the level of commitment that he demanded from them. And here at Adventure Church, we never want to become a church that just settles for comfort. That's willing to just sit in our comfort zone. we got to keep pushing hard to reach people, the messy people. With the amazing message of Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples when he was about to go to the cross. He says, listen, we got to go back to Jerusalem. And they're like, no, we can't go back. They're going to kill you. And he goes, I know they're going to kill me. This is a part of God's plan. And listen to me, if you follow me, they will kill you too. Will you still follow me? the disciples followed Jesus anyway. They were used by God and all of them were martyred and killed for their faith except for John, who they tried to kill and they couldn't. Killed for their faith in Jesus. And today, listen, God's not asking you to die for him. But he is asking you to live for him. To be his hands and feet. To be the the representation of His grace and, and people, but you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. I believe the best version of you is outside of your comfort zone. That you will never meet the best version of yourself inside your comfort zone. That life really begins at the end of our comfort zone, where we learn to be uncomfortable with being, or we learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It just becomes a part of our routine. In our life, and if we insist on comfortable, I'm telling you, boredom is inevitable. If you insist on being comfortable as a follower of Jesus, you will get bored with Jesus. Jess and I have had just opportunities, through God's call in our life, just being obedient to Him, to really step out of our comfort zone multiple times over. And I'll tell you this: there's always an element of risk, but, but faith is about being willing to step out of your comfort zone. Following Jesus means that you're not going to stay where you are, you're not going to remain the same, that you say, God, I want more of you and I want more of your plan, I want to be used of you in this world. And if you have that heart, faith demands that you walk out into the unknown, that you embrace being uncomfortable. Today I'm telling you, if you are bored with Jesus, you're not doing it right. Because God will always lead you. That's why we call this church Adventure Church. I always love meeting people who, I and mean, then a lot of you come from Catholic or more traditional backgrounds, and you're like, is this Saint Adventure Church? Are you sure? Like, I, I've never met Saint Adventure. Where is he at, you know? You'll walk out by me at the door and say, it was a great mass today, pastor. And I'll go, hey, yeah, absolutely, right? Because we come from this, like, and people will come to me and go, what is that adventure? That's a unique name for a church. And I said, yeah, because here's the deal. That if you really live a life, palms up, stepping outside of your comfort zone, being willing to embrace inconvenience to follow Jesus, it'll be the greatest adventure of your life. Jess and I have lived in multiple states, gone all over the country, have done amazing things. God's call has taken me everywhere, and he wants to take you on an adventure, but I'm telling you, you can't go on an adventure and stay in your comfort zone. you got to be willing to step outside of it. And if you're bored with following Jesus, all I can tell you is get engaged with what he's doing. Get involved in what God is doing. Allow him to use your life. Another reason why we don't help people and embrace the messes and walk towards the mess and with the mess is because when we do that, it requires us relinquishing control. I don't know about you, but I openly admit to being a control freak, okay? Okay? It's just kind of how I'm wired. I want to control things. I want, you know, to 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 make sure that I know all the risk involved and and, and to do that. And there's 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 part of being calculated, and 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 being smart before we jump into things. Jesus says to count the cost and and to make sure you know what you're getting into when before you get into it. But in spite of that, right, that that we have to be willing to relinquish control of our own lives and the control of those we're helping. A lot of times I have a problem with stepping into people's messes because I only like to tackle problems that I know have a solution. And if it doesn't have a solution, well, I don't know if I want to get involved with that, right? Right? Well, because and I tell people like, you know, I'm a terrible counselor. You can come to me for counseling, but I'm just not very good at it because I'll go listen. Oh, you got a problem with this, problem with that. Actually I already preached a message on this. Here's the link. Go listen to it online. If that doesn't work for you, come back and we'll try another message, okay? Like that's just how I am. Here's three points. Go do this, try this and to be right. I just want someone to listen. I just someone to journey with me. I know what I need to do, but I'm having trouble getting there, and so it's hard to step into things that we can't control, but we have to stop viewing people as as projects to fix rather than just people that God wants us to walk with and journey with to be an example of his love and grace to. I'm thankful that God gave me free will to choose him and that God knows what I'm going to do, but he doesn't control what I'm going to do. And that despite having free will, God unconditionally walks with me and loves me and wants you to do the same for other people. You see, your job is to love unconditionally when even when you can't control the situation and God's job is to change lives. Your simple task is to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit leaves you to do and then you leave it in his hands. Listen, bottom line today is this. Is we must embrace inconvenience. We must embrace discomfort. We must be willing to relinquish control to really be the Christ followers that God has called us to be. To love others the way that God loved us. The problem is, is we live in a culture that we are busy. I think about the the priest and the Levite and that, they were, on a, they were on their way somewhere, right? And they, whatever they were doing, they were on their way. Like they were passing by. This guy's on the road. They're passing by. They were on a mission. They had to be somewhere. How many of you feel like everywhere I go every day, it's like that? If I'm leaving my house, it's not to just go have a joy ride, Right? where I just have free time, I'm just gonna go drive around and figure out what to do, right? We we're, we're gotta go here, we gotta get the T-ball, we gotta get here, I gotta get back and do the yard, I gotta get here, and then tomorrow I got this, and, and then I start over again, i be at work, and I got all this stuff, and we're so busy getting somewhere that we don't even pause enough to see the need around us. And that this pastor and this priest, they actually saw it, but they, well, I, I, oh man, I'm a pastor, I probably should help this guy, but I, I don't have time. And the Samaritan was on his way somewhere as well. But yet he paused, he stopped, he went over, he immediately addressed it. He puts them in his car, drives them to the place that they can take care of them, pays his tab for this pay- person so that they can get the help they need. And he says, And I'm going to circle back and follow up with you. And if there's anything else that this guy needed, it's on me. He didn't know that man, he actually despised that man. And Jesus says, this is what being a follower of me really looks like. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The church, we have our work cut out for us. Not just our church, God's church. The church. Because we aren't really known for our compassion anymore. We've become the organization that points a finger. That will show up in protest. That will post a status on our social media, rather than to show up with the unconditional love of God. And there's no wonder why the church has lost its influence. And people think that we're shallow and selfish because we haven't been the type of people who are going to intentionally create margin in our life. Time and space for God to use us to help the messy people that he puts in our path. So today I know this is challenging. I know that it kind of gets where you know you should and, oh, I don't want to, and man, I wish we just would have stayed home today and, you know, would have been one of those things, but I'm telling you this. Here's the thing. The most fulfilled Christians I've ever met are those who are most engaged in God's mission in the world the most boring, bored, don't show up, don't have time, not engaged, I just come to church because it's an obligation, I feel like I have to, are those who are trying to be consumers of God's kingdom and not contributors to it. And we can't consume our way to fulfillment. God didn't wire you that way. And so yes, there's a part of this that requires discomfort and inconvenience, and, but I'm telling you, the most fulfilled you will ever be is when you get engaged with the messes of the world and you walk with them to see God do something great in their life. I think our life group leaders here do a great job of this, right? They're willing to wade into the messes. I, I think about this and tell our leaders all the time, like, you know, what you do is amazing to me, you know, that we, we literally go, hey, I feel like God's telling me to lead a group, so I, I, I put my name and my address and everything online and say, anybody who wants to come can sign up and come over to my house. That's inconvenient. Come on. That's uncomfortable. That's relinquishing control. You can't control who's signing up, who's coming, what it's going to be like, right? But what I've seen happen in our life groups is that messy people come because we're all a mess. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. And they show up at your group with a messy situation, a rebellious kid, an addiction, a bad marriage, whatever it may be. And I see our group step up and be the church for these people and begin to walk with these people to healing. And I go, man, this is it. This is what God had in mind when he said, this is my church. This is what the church should be. Not that we just come in here and lift up our hands and worship and praise God, but then when we walk out of those doors, we say, I will be the light of Jesus into a dark world. I will be willing to step into the mess of people's lives because that is what Jesus did for me. Man, I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting today. I'm telling you that. Thank you, somebody. Jesus said, look what this man did. Those people listening to that were standing in awe listening to Jesus and go, no one would do that. A Samaritan would never do that. This was a made up story, a fictional story to prove his point. But Jesus said, go and do the same. You want to be my follower? This is what it means. So how does that practically play out? Real quickly, we've talked about these before and I'm out of time. First thing is this. You gotta be willing to move towards a mess, not every mess. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Don't use that as an excuse. Well, I can't help them. I have them. Pick one, find one. God will bring the one. If you're open to it, if you stop, if you're willing to just say, God, who is the one? What situation do you want me to get involved with? How can I show your love and grace and mercy to people? God will show you. But pick a mess, not every mess. Don't get overwhelmed. If you try to help everybody, you will burn out. You won't be good to anybody else. Move towards a mess, not every mess. Go deep rather than wide. Wide is easier, right? It's easy to give a little to a lot. A 20 here, a 10 there. Hey, I'll help you if I can. But it really doesn't do much good. To really make a difference the way that God wants you to, you're going to have to invest yourself relationally, emotionally, financially, To say, I'm going to go deep with you. Deep is difficult, but we're going to walk in this together. I'm not just going to walk towards the mess. I'm going to walk with a mess. Go long term, not just short term. It's going to take a big commitment of your time. Change your mindset. There isn't going to be a quick fix to someone's mess necessarily. Be willing to go the distance with them. Go time, not just money. Money is easier for a lot of us. It's easier to write a check than it is to actually be involved with it. Write a check, be done with it. God says this, the Samaritan, look, Jesus said, it's going to take time and your money. He paid for this man's way. He invested financially, but he also invested his time. And lastly, as the band comes, but certainly not least, don't wait, do it right now. <laughs> this is where I go, whoa, God, you know. Who am I to step into their mess? I'm a mess. I got to fix my stuff up. I got to get my act together before I can help them. I got to take care of me. I got to get this. I got to figure this out. Listen, let me just tell you this. Let me give you permission. Let me set you free today to be who God wants you to be. God uses messy people to help messy people. Can I just tell you something? I'm a mess sometimes. And yet every week, by the grace of God, I get to stand up here. That's it. If you don't believe me, just ask Jess. Right? You don't have to have it all together. And if you keep waiting, there's never a perfect time. There isn't a perfect time. We're always going to be busy. We're always going to have stuff to do. But the amazing thing is, is that God uses messy people, and oftentimes is that he takes the mess of your life and turns it into a message of his love and grace and hope and mercy for someone else. you go, hey... Listen, I don't have it all together, but I'm going to lend a hand to you. I'm going to help out because God did that for me. And what would it look like if we all just made time, right? That's the biggest thing for us is we just made time for the messy people that God brings across your path. If you just were willing to stop and address the mess in someone else's life because of what God Has done towards you. That God says move towards the mess. Walk with the mess. You see we can't run and hide. We can't just be overwhelmed. We can't just shut the doors of the mess. And pretend like it didn't happen. That we have an opportunity. And a responsibility. To meet others in their mess. So that they can meet the one who met us in the middle of our mess. You see, because when you were a mess, God sent Jesus into the messy world to meet you in the middle of your mess. And when he met you in the middle of your mess, he didn't point a finger, he didn't cast judgment, he extended grace and mercy and then began a journey with you. And all the times that you said, God, I promise if you do this, I'll never do it. And then you did it again, and then guess who was still there when you came back to him? God. And then you said, Jesus, I promise I'll never do this, and I promise I'll never go down that path. I promise I'll always be like this. And then you broke your promise, and then who was still standing there? Jesus. But that's what he's done for you. It's what he's done for me. And yet we'll go, well, God, I did it for them, and then they just they didn't even follow through, and so I'm done with them. Or God, I promised, I, and I said I'd forgive them and then they stabbed me in the back again. I'm done with them. I don't have time for them because you know the messes we tend to ignore the most are those that are in our own house, in our own family. I'm done with them. They're a mess. I'm out of this and they're not this and I'm not getting involved with that. It's not my responsibility. It's their fault. They created their mess. Now they can deal with it themselves. And God goes, but what did I do for you? You created your mess. You've continually created your mess, but there I am in the middle of your mess with grace. God says, now it's your turn to do for them what I did for you. I know it's tough, church, but what mess is God calling you to move toward today, not away from? What mess is God calling you to walk with the way that Jesus walked with you?